Good morning and welcome to, well, it's morning for me. I don't know what it is for you. Good morning and welcome to Radical Civility. My name is Ben Ficini and uh, I want to start really quick with uh, just something quick in passing. Um, I, I recognize not everyone will see it the way that I see it on this, um, but something noble happened yesterday that deserves a shout out, something that I find to be uh, civil um, in the best sense. Um, and that is that Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg dropped out of the race to endorse Joe Biden. Um, I'm sure that I have cynical friends um, and also friends of mine who um, prefer the, the politics of Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, who aren't very pleased with uh, what Mayor Pete and, and Senator Klobuchar are, are doing. Um, but when I try to look at it objectively, what I see them doing is stepping back so that somebody else can win who they agree with more. I wish I saw more of that in politics. And I don't. So I think that they deserve kudos for that, and I'm grateful for it. Like I said, if you're a cynic, you think that they, they had it all planned out in advance and that it was just to improve their image. That's fine. Um, I think they deserve um, some applause for the fact that they're willing to self-sacrifice. And I think the fact that so many people have uh, commented on it and that it's, uh, it's kind of trending right now suggests that I'm not the only one who feels that way. Um, so I, I think that's, that's worth pointing out real quick. All right, two things I'm going to focus on today. So a friend of mine listened to my Bernie Sanders uh, segment that was supposed to be five minutes and ended up being 20 um, and asked me to give Donald Trump the same treatment. These five-minute episodes are quickly growing, so I'm going to try to keep it short. Um, and then the second one is a friend of mine asked um, for my Nickelodeon this week if I could talk about what Donald Trump is doing in the State Department and in the Justice Department. I think it's more the Justice Department, actually, um, and how he is uh, removing people. And, you know, he, he, the friend of mine referenced a purge. I, I, I'm going to try and take that on. I don't think I'll be able to do justice to both of those, but I'll, I'll at least try to mention them. Um, what I'm doing today is I, I'm, I'm talking about maximum tolerable Trump. And again, just to remind everybody, the idea here is um, I don't have any intention of voting for Donald Trump. He, he is perhaps one of the politicians that I am most opposed to, which is ironic because on policy, we're actually fairly united um, on a number of different things. Um, I'd say that we're probably 60, 70 percent united. Um, and in a marginal sense, his policies are probably better. Um, I should note in passing that I have for a long time derided Donald Trump on his foreign policy. And this week there was a signed agreement between the United States and the Taliban that could uh, create a, a path for United States forces to leave Afghanistan in a more permanent way and to create, create peace there in the region. I don't know with foreign policy whether that's actually a good thing or a bad thing. Um, it takes 30, 40, 50 years to, to figure out whether foreign policy was a good idea or a bad idea. But if a candidate that I liked had done that, I would be talking a lot about it. So credit where it's due. Um, I hope that that goes well. And I think Donald Trump deserves my um, honesty when it comes to the fact that he's done something that um, I would hope another politician would do. Having said all of that, I still don't like the man. Um, and I, I mean that as, as a man, I don't like him. Um, so this game that I'm playing is trying to figure out what would he have to do in order for me to get to vote for him. And I don't know that I would ever vote for him, but it's still an important game to play because it forces me to think through some really tough um, issues and it forces me to articulate, you know, what, would, what are the most important things that I disagree with him on? And it forces my brain to say, what are the things about him that, are, that, that I like? 
Um, and there are things about Bernie Sanders, um, who I talked about a, a couple episodes ago, and Donald Trump that I think are good things. Um, so today, uh, with that, uh, why don't we get started? I'm giving a, a long prologue here. Um, why don't we get started? This episode is called Maximum Tolerable Trump. So I just finished telling you how much I don't like him. Let me just emphasize that real quick before we dive in. I think there are probably three things. I, I'm going to limit myself to three things. And I don't know that, that that would be enough, but it's a good starting point. I think the first thing that Donald Trump needs to show me is that he is penitent and that he understands that grace is not cheap. When I talk about how the president is morally unfit to be president, um, people kind of respond with, what, you, you want him to be perfect? Or they'll say, well, do you think any other president is perfect? I don't engage in whataboutism, so I just, you know, ignored that one. Um, but what, you, you want him to be perfect? And my response is, actually, I don't think anyone is going to accidentally mistake President Trump as being sinless. <laughs> like, I don't, th- I don't think anybody's like, yeah, he, he might be perfect. I'm just not quite sure. Like, let me, let me step back and blur my eyes a little bit. Right. I, I think American. So there, there's a saying in American politics that um, Americans love a comeback story. Right. So if somebody messes up, um, you know, they, they it comes out that they cheat on their wife, for example. Um, Americans will forgive that once, but they'll never forgive that person twice. And I don't think that's actually true. I, I, I think that's a that's a good rule of thumb. But I think there's a more fundamental gut sense of, of what's going on. Americans know that grace is not cheap. They want to believe in people and they want to believe that people can, can turn it around and make their life better. Um, we, we should be forgiving. And I think a lot of us are. But being forgiving of someone who continues to do the same thing over and over again isn't being forgiving. It's just being permissive. So whether you look at Donald Trump's personal morality, whether you look at the, the comments that he's made around race, whether you look at the things that he himself has not said, but the things that he has um, supported and propagated and encouraged and, and retweeted and kind of looked at and, and winked at, but not really said anything about. Those are all the things that I need to see him actually trying to fix. And I don't think that I can hold him accountable for everything. Um, but I think that he needs to do something and he needs to show that he's trying. And right now I don't see that. It's not the fact that he is imperfect. It's, it's the fact that he seems to relish in the fact that he is imperfect, right? Now, as a part of this, you know, I mentioned briefly um, his, his commentary on, on... There are two areas that really come to mind on this. One is around race, and it would not be very hard for him to do to simply make, to make it clear what he does and does not support. To make it clear that, um, you know, you know the, the only thing that I ever see him doing on this is saying, oh, but black unemployment is way down. I, I want to see him in a personal sense take some ownership for what he and some of his supporters have done that have been bad things. And I want him to say, I, I'm going to try and do my best to fix it. I don't want it to be lip service, but at this point, even lip service would be pr- pretty breathtaking coming from him. The second one, which is pretty deep for me, is his commentary around immigrants. Um, I think his commentary around immigration in general, and immigrants in particular, um, have been 
perhaps most disappointing. Now, I, I, I want to be clear. I think there is a case to be made for um, a wall, for increased, um, what would you call it, increased vetting and, and uh, more protection at the border, you know, all of those things. I think that there are rational people that can make that case. I think the way that he has done it has led to a lot of, you know, to put it bluntly, in in my personal life, many of my friends who are um, Hispanic feel that he has not treated them fairly. Um, There's an atmosphere of fear um, with a lot of the people that, that I'm privileged to work with. And I don't think that's fair. And I think that he could change that very easily without trying very hard just by saying, you know, if you are here and you are doing your best and you are trying to care for your family, we, we want you here. We want you to stay. If you are here and you are up to no good, then, then you need to go. You need to stop. But you, if, you, if you aren't going to stop, you need to go. And that to me is the right message. Um, but that's not what he's saying. He's saying, if you are here illegally, then you must be a bad person. All of you are bad people. And that doesn't, that's not true. That's not my experience. And again, it's not that hard to be this nuanced. I don't think I'm asking anything crazy of him. Now, I should admit, I'm, I'm radical on this, right? I don't actually think that we should have more security at the border. I think that we should be almost open borders. I think it would be more just. Um, and I'm happy to make the case to you another time about why I am almost open borders. But for now, I want to be clear, I, could, I can appreciate someone who is not almost open borders, who is making a thoughtful and nuanced case. I don't think that's what he's doing. So that's number one. He has to show some penitence across a whole bunch of different fields. He needs to admit that he has, he has more control culturally over this country than he can possibly imagine, and that his voice is echoed throughout the country when he says something uh, um, that is that is negative towards a certain group. Um, I, I think that he needs to take ownership of those things. And finally, he needs to do this in a way that shows that grace is not cheap. All right, that's number one. Number two, I think I have to hold him to the same bar that I hold Bernie Sanders. Um, and that is that he has cut taxes. He has expanded government. He has blown through the records of deficit spending of every other president, as every president has so far. And I see no honest attempt to reduce the budget in a meaningful way. Now, I used to be a Republican. I still consider myself aligned with conservative values of smaller, limited government, um, less spending, and responsible fiscal stewardship. I don't see any reason why somebody like me could possibly uh, follow Donald Trump. And that, I think, is the next big thing where I'm going to look at him and a lot of other Republicans and say, I think you are being a hypocrite. Now, I, I'll be the first to admit, if Donald Trump is the one who ends up cutting the budget, it'll probably be more ham-fisted than I like. It won't be as nuanced as I, as I like. It won't be as careful. But I don't see any evidence that with every, with every passing president, I feel like we're just careening faster down, down the fiscal cliff. I think that is certainly the case now. So that's number two. He has to do something serious toward balancing the budget. Thing number three, he has to put down the matches. Um, somebody referred to him, I think it was an Atlantic article, and I quite liked it. Um, the, the, the phrase is that he is an institutional arsonist. I think that name fits. Um, it's like he's playing with fire um, with each of our institutions, 
with our traditions, our culture, our um, th- this culture of divisiveness that he, that he has um, intentionally utilized for political gain. And I think the first the first thing that he needs to do with this um, is start hiring the very best people in government, um, no matter whether they're fawning devotees or not. Now, there, there, there's a line there, and I recognize that. But I, I can understand not wanting to hire people who are going to intentionally sabotage the work that you are doing. I, I get that. When you hire somebody, you expect them to do a good job, even if they don't like you as president. I, I can get behind that. But the ideological purge that appears to be happening, and maybe maybe it's not, maybe I'm wrong, but the reporting that I'm seeing says that there's an ideological purge happening where the president is not willing to hire anybody in nonpartisan positions that are mostly just about effectiveness and efficiency and doing a good job, that he's making them leave um, because they, they, they once criticized him for something. There's a Utah Republican who once criticized Donald Trump as being our next Mussolini or something like that. Um, and because of that, he was, he was disqualified from being considered as the head of national intelligence. You know, it's that kind of a thing where I have a hard time. Um, in, in a general sense, I mean, look, I'm the civility guy, right? It means that you need to start trying to unite people instead of dividing them. And I, I think he has been extremely divisive. Um, I can, I can hear my conservative friends saying, well, what about so-and-so who is divisive? Yeah. I don't do what aboutism. That doesn't work. Sorry. Um, Donald Trump can own what Donald Trump has done. Donald Trump has been extremely divisive and he knows that. And I think most of his followers know it and it is not a good p- tactic. It is not healthy, even if it even if it works. And and by the way, I think I would need to see him swear off those tactics, as a matter of principle, even if it ends up costing him politically. And that perhaps leads me to the the easiest way for him to do this, and that is I need to see him worrying more about the country we're going to be living in fifty years from now than how he will be viewed uh, five years from now. I need to see him worried more about the long term impact of who he was rather than the short-term political gain of each of his individual decisions. Now, I don't really have any intention of voting for him, but I hope it's clear that there are some things that I think he could do that would make it hard for me to say no, that I I could, uh, at least I could say that he was trying. This game is harder than you think. I I would encourage you to try it. It's, It's fun, but it's real hard. Um... And uh, when you've when you've kind of built a case against somebody, it's hard. It's it's like in debate in high school when they force you to debate the other side of an argument. That's how this feels. Um, and there are a couple of other things that I want to mention as as I've done this now with Senator Sanders, and I'm doing this now with uh, with President Trump. Um, one of the things that I've learned is that how you feel personally about a person is probably more important than you think in who you're actually aligning yourself with. Because I've talked with a number of people who have told me that they support Pete Buttigieg. And when I say why, their answer is, well, but he, he's just so moderate. <laughs> I'm like, no, he isn't. Like, go, go check him out. Like, go look him up online. He's not actually that moderate. He's very, very progressive. I'm shocked that he didn't win. Because to me, he reminds me of a President Obama. Right? Um, somebody who is far, far more to the left than I think people realize, but he just comes across as, as somebody you want to get to know and that you like, and you could, um, enjoy being around. Um, well, the reality is I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, 
I don't think it's bad that some of us are out there saying, you know, is this the kind of person that I like? I think, I think what the danger is, is that we substitute, is this the kind of person that I would like for, is this person's policies good? Um, is this a person who I trust? Is this person competent? Right. It shouldn't just be likability. Um, I, I don't want to elect the person I want to go and have a beer with. I mean, I don't drink beer, but I, I don't want to, you know, elect the person that I want to go and have a hot chocolate with. Right. I want or play video games with, let's be honest, right? I want to elect somebody. Frankly, I want to elect a nerd who, you know, maybe is lacking in social graces, but is really, really good at policy. That's the kind of person I want to vote for. Um, And I think that's worth saying. Uh, Closing thought for you. Um, I heard recently in a podcast, they, they were joking, it was a conservative podcast, and they were joking about how uh, all these are people who are irrationally hate Donald Trump, Trump derangement syndrome, because he's not nice to people. Yeah, that, but unironically. I want my son to be able to look up to the president as a role model, and I don't feel the least bit bad saying that. I don't think the whole country needs to be the hashtag civility caucus, where we all care about how nice we are to each other. But I think some people ought to. I think some people ought to care about that. And I'm one of them. Thanks for listening. Radical Civility is written, produced, and poorly edited by Ben Luchini. The views of Radical Civility are not necessarily the views of my